What are we looking at here is a film review podcast. There will be significant spoilers in every episode, so if you haven't seen the movies I'm discussing, please do pause here and go see them before continuing. I talk about all kinds of films and all kinds of topics, so some content may not appeal to you. You can check out the content warnings in the show notes and decide if this episode is right for you. What are we looking at here? Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're looking at the Star Wars saga and the dangers of not being ready to teach. There's more than one teacher in the Star Wars saga, but we'll just focus on Obi-Wan and Luke. Also, even though there are other vehicles of the story, such as the Clone Wars series, we'll just be looking at what comes across in the theatrical movies. Obi-Wan and Luke task themselves with raising the next generation of Jedi. Obi-Wan petitions to be allowed to educate Anakin after the death of his own mentor, Qui-Gon. Luke opens an instructional facility and accepts his own nephew as a pupil. Certainly neither Obi-Wan nor Luke is in any way an evil man, and they each take quite seriously that they're going to be responsible for guiding new Jedi. But neither of them has finished his own training when he decides to become the teacher of others. Qui-Gon was still actively teaching Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan readily deferred to Qui-Gon in pretty much everything. He wasn't someone who had learned to question the world and incorporate any answers received into a fuller understanding. He was still at the stage of soaking it all up and acting only according to the few things he felt he had mastered or that seemed clear-cut to him. There isn't anything wrong with that at all. We all must learn by doing, and until we've learned, we... well, we haven't. But even if Obi-Wan had studied and practiced enough to be set out on his own as a Jedi, he was far too new and inexperienced to be able to guide Anakin. He was at best a peer tutor. But he asked to be allowed to teach Anakin, and for some reason the council decided that would be okay. Perhaps Obi-Wan's way with words swayed the council to ignore their own misgivings, or perhaps the sadness of losing Qui-Gon colored their thinking. In any event, Obi-Wan was allowed to mentor Anakin, even though Yoda felt Anakin was not a good candidate. Did Obi-Wan do a bad job? I don't think so. Do all teachers still have areas where they can learn and places where they learn as much from their students as the students learn from them? Of course. But Obi-Wan didn't seem to understand, at a fundamental level, that Anakin might see things differently than he did. There were precepts to being a Jedi that Obi-Wan embraced wholeheartedly, possibly because of the trauma of losing his mentor so abruptly and Anakin's questioning of those precepts made Obi-Wan very uncomfortable. Rather than seeing Annie's questions as normal and worth exploring, he saw them as attempts to criticize and reject the teachings, and therefore as inherently wrong. He chastised Anakin for questioning, 
and answered him only with the memorized precepts. In one telling scene, we watch as Obi-Wan and Anakin walk down a windowed corridor, arguing about the merits of Jedi doctrine, while passing in and out of the shadows cast by the windows. The scene is a visual metaphor for the struggle between the light side and the dark side of the Force, and at the end of it, Obi-Wan has given Anakin no better instruction or guidance than to repeat to him the Jedi Party line. Is there anything wrong with the Jedi Party line? Not particularly. But without examination and the refreshing insight of new people's exploration, is that party line any less of a rigid prison than the Empire's totalitarianism? If Obi-Wan can't explain why the Jedi party line is the way it is, then how does he or Anakin or anyone know for sure that it is in fact a better way to do things than what Senator Palpatine was promoting? Anakin is not given very useful answers, and his seeking is met with argument and disapproval. But more crucial to Annie's subsequent decisions is that he knows he's not being given very useful answers. He can't doubt Obi-Wan's sincerity, because at no point does Obi-Wan seem anything other than sincerely devoted to the Jedi. But he certainly has reason to doubt that Obi-Wan has any answers to give. Twenty years later, Obi-Wan takes on Luke's training. But has he learned anything himself about Anakin's choices? about his role as Anakin's teacher, or about the metaphysical underpinnings of the Jedi precepts he's still trying to follow. Maybe he has, and maybe he hasn't. But his initial teaching is colored by his bitterness that Vader, a.k.a. the dark side, had killed his pupil, Luke's father. He consistently tells Luke, even after his own death, to let go, to let the Force be his guide rather than his ego but he doesn't tell Luke how or why to do that. Really, why should Luke let go? Both Anakin and Luke begin their Jedi training at the end of their adolescence. Their identities are still being sorted out in their heads. It's no surprise, then, that they would resist being told to let go of that identity just as they're figuring it out. What really is the difference between hey, the dark side will give you power and then we can make a real difference in the galaxy, and hey, the light side can make a difference in the galaxy, but you have to let go of everything you believe you are. Why? Really think about this. Why would any of us believe the second one instead of the first one? Why wouldn't the dark side seem like the more sensible choice? The Jedi's stance only makes sense to the sage who has studied and has had life experience and who has learned from their own mistakes and actions and outcomes. Why should any acolyte be expected to believe it just on faith? If the Jedi, and more specifically Obi-Wan, are saying, just take it on faith, okay? Then what ultimately is the difference between the light side and the dark side? If both are just bossing people around without real explanation, what really is the difference? And why would anyone choose the path that doesn't broadcast its power? We all want to feel that we have some control over our lives. Why wouldn't any of us choose the side that offered that sense of control? Because Obi-Wan had not quite gotten far enough in his training or in his life experiences to understand the why underneath the how, he was unable to convey that to Anakin, and not particularly able to convey it to Luke, 
and so his young pupils drifted further and further away from understanding. Unlike Anakin, Luke had the benefit of studying under Master Yoda as well, and it seems that that made the difference for him. He was able to see a bit of the why, and to make choices from that wisdom more than his father had been able to do. But let's look at Luke now, and how, much like Obi-Wan, he took on the education of new pupils without necessarily being cleared to do so by anyone with more experience in the matter. Both Obi-Wan and Yoda, as well as Vader and Uncle Owen, had died long before Luke opened his school. The only other man in Luke's life who wasn't a peer was Han Solo, whose rogue nature kept him from being a father figure to Luke, even if he did call him kid all the time. By the time Luke opens the school, he's been on his own as a man and as a Jedi for many years. Why would he imagine that he didn't know what he was doing? He had all the skills, lifting boulders, leaping tall buildings in a single bound, clairvoyance, Jedi mind tricks, the whole package, and he had learned from Yoda how to harness his emotions and the importance of governing them. Why would he imagine that there was more to being a Jedi than that? Why would he imagine that there was more to being a grown-up than that? But it took Yoda 900 years to gain the wisdom and power he had. That doesn't mean that Luke wasn't qualified to open a Jedi school. But Luke's good intentions didn't mean that he was qualified to open a Jedi school. Luke had significant baggage about his father. Of course, I mean, no judgment here. The situation was pretty complicated. But he never seems to have taken the time to address that baggage, not through ordinary human ways and not through the lens of the Jedi way. His fear of the dark side was as strong in him in the more recent films as it ever was when he was a young man himself. His fear of the dark side, even though he had seen the power of love, the ability of love to save even as wretched a bad guy as Darth Vader, was still so strong that it outweighed decades of Jedi training and experience. It outweighed the very love that had helped him defeat the Empire. It allowed him to consider killing his own nephew based on a vision that was little more than a notion, even though Yoda points out that always in motion is the future, that visions of the future are difficult to rely on as anything more than a possible guide. One of the few things we, the audience, see Yoda say to Luke about the power of the Force, Luke seems to have forgotten entirely. So entirely that he contemplates actual murder. Does he do this because he thinks the Jedi Code is to murder nephews? No. He does it because he's scared. And given all that he's been through, who wouldn't be scared of a new incursion of the dark side? But Luke, much like his father has never learned why the light side of the Force is considered the good side of the Force. It's just the side he's chosen. He's seen the destruction and chaos the dark side can cause, and he's on the side that seems opposite to that. But he doesn't seem to have learned the reasons, or internalized the wisdom of the Jedi's ancient teachings. How could he? All the other Jedi are dead. This isn't a condemnation of Luke or Obi-Wan. It's not that any of us learns a lifetime of wisdom by the time we're twenty, or that we don't all get scared sometimes or make mistakes. It's not that they didn't care about their pupils or take it seriously that they were someone else's teacher. 
It's that they weren't ready to teach, but they chose to teach anyway, and each time they did, the dark side took power and caused a lot of pain. They thought knowing anything, or even just wanting to know things, or wanting to share things, was the same as knowing enough to guide someone else through a landscape they had only just now started across themselves. On the one hand, welcome to parenthood, right? None of us is ever really ready for the reality of it, even if we've had the practical experiences of caring for a baby or looking after children. There's no brochure, really, that can adequately prepare you for how it feels to be a parent, or for the responsibility of it, or for all of the unknowns that aren't covered in the parenting books. There are so many unknowns. It's impossible to predict them all. And at the end of the day, the child is a whole separate individual who thinks and feels and grows according to their own whims. And all of our preparation might be for nothing. And all of our wisdom, such as it is, might be dismissed and ridiculed. We are, truly, guiding our children through a landscape that we've only just started to cross ourselves. So who are we to judge Obi-Wan and Luke? But this isn't really about judging them so much as it is about learning from their mistakes. Obi-Wan knew he wasn't ready to teach. He knew this because he saw how few answers he had for Anakin when Anakin began questioning the precepts of the Jedi. He knew this because even though he himself had been a post-adolescent young man just like Anakin, somehow he wasn't able to make any space for that. He needed Anakin just to be what he expected him to be, instead of, you know, being a regular person. Was Obi-Wan ready to teach by the time he met Luke? He had had another nearly twenty years to prepare, to learn, to have experiences, to grow and change. It stands to reason he was far more prepared to teach Luke than he had been to teach Anakin. But he somehow knew that he still wasn't ready. He started out by teaching Luke the cool telekinetic force stuff, blind fighting with the floaty ball, misdirecting people looking for droids, but he never discusses with him any of the metaphysical matters. He describes the Force in such simplistic terms that a small child could understand it, yet somehow hasn't really explained anything about it at all. He describes Darth Vader as the bad guy who destroyed Luke's father, but he doesn't explain why the dark side of the Force is problematic, or what makes the light side good, or what it means to use the Force only for some things and not for others. Is it that he doesn't want Luke to know for some non-retconned reason? Or is it that he himself still doesn't know all those answers, any more than he did when he was training Anakin? After his death, Obi-Wan is able to interact with Luke and Yoda, but for some reason refers Luke to Yoda instead of offering to teach him in spirit form. He doesn't seem to know any more in death than he did in life, still suggesting things that Yoda corrects him about such as whether or not Luke is the only one who can save us. When Obi-Wan points out to Yoda that Luke is no different from Obi-Wan himself when he was a pupil, it's quite possible that he is also accidentally pointing out how alike he and Luke still are, that Obi-Wan is still a pupil, and perhaps too impatient to benefit fully from instruction. What effect does all this have? on Anakin, on Luke, on the whole saving the galaxy thing? It isn't just that Obi-Wan doesn't necessarily have the wisdom or knowledge base to pass on instruction to someone else. 
His approach to teaching Anakin almost guarantees that Anakin will turn against the teachings. And of course his assumptions about Anakin, who at first is only a nine-year-old boy and who later becomes an orphan in his care, are injurious to the ordinary, very real child that Anakin is. Obi-Wan is looking for what Qui-Gon was looking for, the prophesied being who would supposedly bring balance to the Force. They each take it upon themselves to collect Anakin, to convince him to join them as a Padawan Jedi, to introduce him to an entire lifestyle decision from such a young age that he literally knows nothing else and is completely dependent upon them to guide him, not just as a Padawan, but as a child who will grow up to be a man. Obi-Wan's singular focus puts pressure on Anakin, however accidentally, to be some great hero or savior or catalyst or what have you. For a child who has no way to choose anything else, this kind of pressure can be extremely heavy, if not crippling. Anakin also faces the unpleasant atmosphere of being constantly judged, not just as a good person or a bad person but as someone who is meant to embrace a destiny about which he cannot even ask questions. He's in the same position as a lot of regular human kids, whose parents want a certain kind of life for their children, for reasons they don't always articulate very well, and with methods that range from emotional pressure to coercion and ridicule. Obi-Wan would never coerce or ridicule Anakin, but when Anakin asks why he must do things a certain way, or why the people telling him what to do are allowed to tell him what to do. Obi-Wan is so afraid to ask those questions himself that he shuts Anakin down and criticizes him for his curiosity. Any child, even a very tall teenage child, will quickly learn to mistrust the words of someone who can't even explain why he himself follows the rules he's attempting to force on someone else. Obi-Wan doesn't put that kind of pressure on Luke. He seems to have learned some sort of lesson there, but he doesn't really tell him much about the rules of the Jedi, its philosophy, or why he follows it. Perhaps he still doesn't know himself? Perhaps he just still doesn't know how to convey it to someone else? Perhaps he's just afraid now to say anything other than the most rudimentary or practical instructions. But because Obi-Wan has presented himself or at least not removed himself, as a Jedi teacher, Luke sees him as both a father figure and a spiritual guide. With that in mind, he interprets what Obi-Wan says as the words of a guide, of a sage, of someone who knows what they're doing. In fact, he only seeks out Yoda because Obi-Wan tells him to. When he gets to Dagobah, he's so impatient and irritable that he almost gets himself kicked out. He respects Yoda because Obi-Wan suggested that he should, but he hasn't learned from Obi-Wan that respect is for a person, not for what you think the person is going to look like or seem like, or for what they can do for you. To his credit, he figures it out pretty quickly, but it's no thanks really to the man who has set himself up to guide Luke on a significant journey of discovery. What does this mean for Luke? Even though he embraces Yoda's teachings, he doesn't seem to see Yoda as a father figure. He treats him as you would a beloved sensei. But his emotional connection, the times when we see him upset or betrayed or questioning or disappointed, revolves around Obi-Wan. This is neither good nor bad, but it means that everything he learns from Yoda 
is filtered through that original template of what Obi-Wan seemed to represent. Luke's image of what a Jedi should be is primarily compared to the kind of Jedi he believed Obi-Wan to be. But Obi-Wan hadn't been particularly forthcoming about what kind of man he had been, what his own struggles and failures had been, or what kind of Jedi he himself was trying to be. That's not much of a template for an impressionable young man to cling to, and it meant that Luke might have pulled away from any instruction or wisdom that conflicted with that original notion, that original goal. So there Luke is, all grown up, believing himself to have mastered his Jedi training because he had outlived both of his teachers, believing himself to be a master Jedi because he had mastered the practical techniques, the mind tricks, the lightsaber, the ability to think before he speaks. He doesn't really have anything to compare himself against as far as being a Jedi, and even though his uncle, Obi-Wan, Han, Chewbacca, and Yoda all demonstrated how to be a good person, there wasn't really anyone to help him bridge the distance, or even see that there was a distance between being a good person and being a good Jedi. But he opens a school anyway, a school that will build a new generation of Jedi. That's not a bad thing. There isn't anyone else to do it. He's got access to the ancient texts and a direct connection to the spirits of both of his mentors and indeed his own father, who might have some valuable insights into making mistakes, correcting them, and what options he might better have chosen. It's not the best situation, but again, there isn't anyone else to do it. What's the harm? The harm becomes painfully obvious when Luke makes the same mistake that Obi-Wan made. Their own training is not complete, so they attach the anxiety of uncertainty to their teaching. They lash out at the pupil who asks questions they can't answer. They lash out at the pupil who isn't what they expected. They lash out at the pupil because they're afraid he won't become what they wanted. In fact, they each lash out at their respective pupils to the point that they would rather see children they love die than have them become something that isn't exactly what they wanted. Of course, by the time Obi-Wan lashed out this way toward Anakin, Anakin had already done a number of extremely bad things that required stopping him. No matter who was chasing him, that person may have been obliged to stop Anakin by taking his life. But so much of what Anakin became can be traced to the fact that only one voice in his life was telling him why his doctrine was his doctrine, why what he offered was good and sensible, and why Anakin should follow that doctrine himself. Unfortunately, that voice belonged to someone who had ulterior motives and was not entirely honest with his pupil. The senator played on Anakin's fears to manipulate him, but this task was made much easier since Obi-Wan was not offering any real counterpoints to what the senator was saying. Ultimately, even though Obi-Wan considered himself to be good because he had chosen the Jedi and therefore the light side of the Force, he was no different from the senator in an important and disastrous way. He had ulterior motives, making Anakin into some sort of predestined balance figure, a chosen one, if you will. And he was not entirely honest with his pupil, not because he was trying to be dishonest, but because he himself did not necessarily know the answers. And instead of working to find those answers, 
He was made uncomfortable by his own ignorance, and passed that discomfort and ignorance on to his pupil. Did he do the same with Luke? Yes, except that Luke didn't suffer from the stressful expectations of being a chosen one, and his dislike of Darth Vader was its own guide away from the doctrines of the dark side. He duplicated, though, Obi-Wan's anxiety about things that he couldn't immediately understand or affect. Just as he ran off from Dagobah to save Leia and Han, Luke assumes that he's wiser than the people who are trying to teach him. The first time, he loses his hand. The second time, when he's confronted with a possible future surrounding one of his pupils, he gives in to fear so completely that he offers to murder his own adolescent nephew. Then both Luke and Obi-Wan, acting for all the world as though their inability to be effective teachers, or even particularly effective Jedi students themselves, was something that had happened to them, run off to mope in solitude instead of fixing or addressing the chains of events that they had a hand in starting. Basically, even after they see the outcome of inadequate teaching, they don't bother to learn how to teach better. They don't work to make up for what they've done and they don't offer to be part of the solution until forced to do so by new pupils begging them to do freaking anything. Obi-Wan faces Anakin again in A New Hope, after Anakin has become Darth Vader. He offers no apology to Anakin for any shortcomings in his teaching, suggesting that he's never analyzed his own role in the decisions a young, impressionable student made because of his guidance, or lack thereof. Luke faces his nephew later, after Kylo has decided to follow Invader's footsteps. He does offer a little more of an apology-slash-explanation for trying to kill him, but in the end he mostly expresses disappointment in Kylo's choices. He acts, basically, as though his near murder was justified by what Kylo did afterward, a retroactive mitigation, as though having a vision gives you the right to decide life and death. Of course, Anakin's actions are on Anakin. I'm not blaming Obi-Wan for them. And Kylo's actions are on Kylo. Luke didn't make him do anything. But both boys might well have made other decisions if they had had better teachers, or if their teachers had even acknowledged that there were things they didn't know yet, or things that they could learn together with their pupils. Obi-Wan hadn't been ready to teach, but he did it anyway. Luke may have been a little more ready to teach, but probably not enough to start a Jedi school of his very own. More to the point, neither of them had learned the premise at the heart of the light side of the Force, the mantra of the Jedi that is one of the first things Yoda says. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. They each shortchange their pupils by giving in to their fears. The fears of uncertainty, of the unknown, of the future, of the dark side that they only strengthen by fearing it. They both blame the pupil, the child, for the inadequacies of their instruction. This isn't a condemnation of Obi-Wan and Luke trying to teach Anakin and Kylo. None of us knows how to teach until we're teaching. None of us knows how to be a parent or a mentor until suddenly we're in the midst of it. We all make mistakes and learn as we go. It's not about perfection. 
It's about awareness. Neither Obi-Wan nor Luke acknowledges where they aren't experienced or qualified, and it's through that omission that they fail their students. If they had been willing to look at their own feelings, at their own journey, if they had been willing to join their pupils in discovery rather than talking down to them, if they had seen their pupils as children rather than as vessels to fulfill others' expectations, they would still have made mistakes. They would still be hampered by how much they themselves still had to learn, but they would have been more able to connect with their pupils. Their pupils would have realized that it's okay not to know everything, that it's okay to learn, that it's okay to make mistakes. They could have learned how to deal with those mistakes instead of trying to run from them. They could have learned how to face their fears if their teachers had modeled that. Basically, the damage Obi-Wan and Luke did would have been much, much smaller if, in fact, there would have been any damage at all. It's not a condemnation of Obi-Wan and Luke trying. It's not a criticism of the fact that they may not have been ready to teach. It isn't even that they refused to admit that there was still some stuff for them to learn themselves. It's that they ignored the one piece of instruction that all of us, the characters, the audience, learned about being a good Jedi, not to be controlled by fear. They both did eventually get it. They both realized that the solution to problems is not to lash out and destroy other people who are scary, but instead to give of themselves. But because they learned it so late in the game, this wisdom came at the cost of their own lives. It also came at the cost of their pupils who had turned to them for guidance, who trusted them to provide, if not omniscience, at least a good example. In the end, Obi-Wan and Luke didn't understand enough about teaching, about the Jedi, or about themselves to be effective mentors. Their arrogance and fears prevented them from improving. They didn't learn the most important part of being a Jedi until the lesson included their own deaths. And those pupils who were so disappointing in their teacher's eyes? They had to save themselves. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word. If you want to check out my other content, you can visit my website at www.smrcooper.com. I hope you have a good week and that things go your way. And if you get a chance, watch a movie.